All right, here we go. Let's pray. Fold your hands, close your eyes. Almighty God, gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect us and comfort us, especially in temptation. Defend us against all enemies of your word and bestow on your church your saving peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, good to see you all. Thanks very much. Uh, questions about anything? going on? You want to know about anything? Anything going on? If you put money in the basket, we will send it to PADS. That's where we'll send it. So Monday night is PADS night in Wheaton, and they're always busy. So we'll um, send, send money over there. Questions about anything? How your prayers go? Whoops. Sorry. Check out the north side. Check out the north side. Now, of course, the presupposition is that people know which way north is, Carol. <laughs> But I will say that the flowers, all things look particularly good on the north side, which is always kind of muddy and uh, dark, is now bright with all sorts of flowers. Thank you very much to the Garden Club and everybody else who worked on it. Very nice. Well, uh, not exactly, but John, John Crow, too, kind of figured it out and coordinated with some Garden Club people. And you may not have done it, but you need to do it from now on. So, <laughs> right? So, God, God bless you, my child. Yeah, I know. The problem is you have that leisurely country club schedule Thursday mornings at 9. You have a little coffee, and then, you know, somebody's got to be paying into Social Security for you to take the morning off. I just try to remind you of that fact, okay? If you want to play, you can certainly come on Thursdays and um, play along. Okay, everybody good? All right, so how are your prayers going? You doing all right? Yeah. Morning and evening? Are you waking up in the middle of the night yet? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I mean to say prayers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of you who are up in the middle of the night for a range of reasons, but uh, when you're up, when you're up, uh, you know, you can, you can take it as a chance to say a prayer for your pastors. That would be good. Oh, Kirby, she could use a prayer too as well. I mean, pray for her, for goodness sakes. It's tax season. Tomorrow's a deadline, right? I haven't seen her. If you see her, I saw her last in August. If you see her, throw up a sign. I don't want to be on television. So uh, he, he last saw her in August, but he didn't report it. It seems suspicious to us. Tomorrow, all you tax people, tomorrow will come, and then it'll be over. Go have a beer on me. All right, everything else good? All right, come to the wedding. It's an official invitation is in there. Actually, now, here's the thing. The wedding starts at 7.30, but there's a little mini concert before, piano, cello, and organ. So Chris Ferrer will be here. Uh, Peter will sing a bit. There's actually a choir um, of, I don't know, cool people who have great voices. And then, of course, a new organ to drive around the block. So at 7, there should be very nice music from 7 on for about half an hour. So if you want to come at 7, that's fine. You're all invited. Somebody asked, are kids invited? Hey, as long as you watch them, they're invited. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's, you know, there'll be, the food truck is all lined up. The food truck guy will be here and this should be, I mean, the party should go for a while. So we'll be done by, <laughs> you know, there are some, <laughs> you know, it just makes me nervous when you say that. That's all I could say. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully there'll be no arrests. So just, uh. I, you know what? That's something we hadn't yet thought of, and it sounds like a bad idea. But 
you know, who knows? So tell your friends. I mean, we'll just it'll just go till it till it runs out. So, uh, but it should it should be fun. Okay. So with your own prayers, let me just I kind of encourage you morning and evening at some point to um, five words or less. If that's where you are, that's where you are. Uh, you know, it still works against Satan and his minions. If you can move to the Lord's Prayer. I'll talk about this a little bit, but actually the vicar is going to talk to you for a couple of weeks a little bit later. We'll talk about it a little bit today, but if you, there's something particular about the Lord's Prayer. If you only ever did that, you would get everything right, right? If you only ever did what Jesus gives you to do. It was genius of a sermon this morning, by the way. Um, but the Lord gives us these gifts, which, you know, are irrefutable. It's one of the interesting things. So many so many things can go wrong in life, but there are things that can't go wrong. A baptism that's done according to the mandate, a holy supper that's celebrated according to the words of institution, right? Um, the prayer of Jesus, off his lips to your lips. So if you can get to, you know, just the morning, morning and evening, saying the Our Father, middle of the night when you're awake, often I, I, uh, when I talk to people who are very ill or shut in, they very often feel as if their life is so diminished that it's not worth anything anymore, which I always suggest to them is a time to pray for their... I always say, well, you can pray for me. I could use it. And um, pray for St. John and the people who are here. So when you're banged up or when you don't quite know what to do or when you have downtime and when things come to mind, you know, go ahead and begin to, to pray. Jesus accepts whatever you bring. There are always very elegant ways to pray, but simply to say, thank you very much for this day. I mean, come on, look outside. And for the people who've been gathered here, for the liturgy and the music, the beauty of that, for a fine sermon, for your friends who are here, for the loss of an earring and its return, right? <laughs> Everything, you know, owner found. So, uh, you know, life is beautiful. Now, I, want to, I wanted to think about, I sent Pastor Buke's, um found this thing in the Atlantic, and I just want you to have a look at this. What I want you to think about here is try to, try to think in a more sophisticated way than, oh, that's really stupid. Try to, try to think now in a way what people's needs are, what pushes them to this, why we would entertain such a notion, and why people would even pay money for this, right? How can I get divine inter- intervention for my career? Right? That's the question Ravi, a young investment banker in Bangalore typed into Google seven years ago. His search led him to this website called Ipuja. For 15 bucks, the startup would have a puja, a Hindu devotional prayer ritual, performed on his behalf in many in-network temples. So basically what this is, this is an app. If you need something, you put in what you need, you pay the fee, and somewhere they pay a fee in a Hindu temple for your prayers to be said on your behalf. Okay. A few clicks later, uh, Ghana had arranged for a ritual at his favorite temple dedicated to the Hindu god Vishnu. It worked out for me. I got a better job offer, so I do this on a regular basis. Okay, now just kind of think about this, because somehow we sort of think, oh, this is foreign, these are other people, this is another country, but is this different than I want a pony, I want a pony, please, I want a pony, I want a pony, right? Kind of just kind of think it through. So uh, how do you think about God when you pray this way? How do, you, how do you define God when you pray like this? In recent years, tens of thousands of Indians have turned to Ipuja and other prayer-by-proxy companies whose smartphone acts and websites make summoning a godly intersection 
intercession as easy as ordering a pizza. God is one click away. There you go. That's the, that's a, and that's a great hook if, you're, if you've got an app and you're selling prayers. God is just one click away, right? So you pay a fee and a priest performs this ritual. There's 3,600 temples. This sounds suspiciously like the Middle Ages, but uh, you, know, you sort of keep going. They've got 50,000 people, 65 countries. Um, they've facilitated 50,000 pujas prayers for customers in 65 countries. Um, you know, many people want something. Somebody in Brazil even asks for a speedy divorce. Actually, you know what? You should see the prayers that come in on the prayer line. I don't ever want to print them because people actually give. But the stuff that people ask us to pray for that comes to the pastors, it's startling. Everything from um, I'm demon-possessed to get rid of this person to protect. People must find websites where you can, you know how you, you write your prayers in? People, about once a week maybe we get a prayer that is frenetic in its demands for uh, what's desired. It's very, very interesting, right? So in any case, uh, go to the bottom of the page. Although paying for a prayer might seem crass to some non-Hindus, it's common in India. Even in-person temple visits involve giving a donation to a temple or an offering to the priest who performs a ritual, right? Now, just look at the last paragraph, or second to last paragraph. I think there's a fairly significant difference between, say, a generic Protestant idea of prayer and a generic Hindu idea of prayer. Okay, that's, that's, so what would that be? In theology in India, there's much more value given to the ritual itself. Au contraire, right? But I mean, see, but you could, you could say that because many Protestants rebel against ritual. So there is an insight here, just not, of course, we're not Protestant. Never mind, we're safe. So it doesn't matter if someone is saying a prayer for you because you paid him 15 bucks to do so. It matters that the prayer is being said because the word themselves are believed to have power to transform the universe. I'm just the postman carrying your request to God. So um, what sort of God have you got going there? And what sort of prayer do you have going there? And what sort of faith have you got going there? What sort, what sort, what is, how would you think about God if you use such an app? A? Transactional. He's some transactional good. How would you think about God? So there's this transaction, right? You can't go to him yourself. You need somebody in between. Yeah, you do. Um, so I'm not clever enough about all things Hindu, but it does sound like you'd need somebody, an intercessor. Go ahead. Uh, pay more, you can do better. So pay more, you can do better. Actually, that's actually something that works here too, James. So. <laughs> points. Of, there's always points of connection. Anything else? I feel more like God was a robot and less. And I did give you the one, yeah, so the, I did give you the one about hiring a robot to do funerals, right? I, did I give you that? I think I did give you that. Didn't I? You can, in Japan, you can get a robot to do your funeral now. Do you know this? Yeah. This is one of the advances of AI. I thought I gave you that one already. Yeah, okay. Hmm, ha. Well, it's possible. So, yes. Well, so at, le- at the very least, you have this notion of God as this big vending machine in the sky, right? You put in your money and you make your selection. So this very transactional notion. But imagine, think about how that defines you and defines God. So, and all the differences there are with Christianity. So you decide what you want. 
then you pay up and you persuade God to do some good for you. And if you do, do it just right, ritually means things in order, right? If you do it just right, then you may get uh, what you want. I'd, go ahead. It originated with the payment of money, which we would all say that negates it. Yeah. But if the intercessor, yeah. Again, let's not say let's not say Hindu priest. Let's say you. Let's say any you know, any man, a Christian minister. Right. If that person prays sincerely right. for that request, right. then does it negate the prayer? Because it's about start. Uh, are we talking Hindus or Christians? Um, by the time this is all over, I'm going to make you the intercessor. intercessor. You, Dennis, are the intercessor. That's where we're going. By the end, we may not get there today. But uh, so, great question. There are intercessors, there are intercessors. I mean, I'll kind of get to the end, and then we'll say it again later. But it's one thing to push God around or be a good boy to get exactly what you want as you plot the dots for what you need in your life. Hmm, this sounds especially like being a prayer warrior. But, um, sorry, but, not really. Um, So the question is, has to do very much with who asks and what's asked for. But I think even beyond that, it has to do with this definition of who God is, right? You get to specify. I need a new job, and that should cost me approximately 15 bucks. I got a new job. I'll be back, right? There's something just sort of hinky about this. Yes, please. His question has real life um, um, experience uh, with the Catholic Church. I think people pay for a mass to be said, right? Or, um, or a person deceased, or whatever. Right. Yeah, I just got my I just got my reminder to. Um, uh, sending names for All Saints Day coming up, right, from a, from a monastery where I took a retreat once. Now, of course, but even that, I mean, there's a sense in which you pay to have somebody to pray for you. So we have to sort this out on sort of a subtle uh, or more sophisticated way. So there are some similarities. There's a recognition that there's a God. Let's just say, let's just believe, folks. There's a recognition there's a God. There's a rec- recognition that this God has a bit of power, there's a recognition that um, this God can be prompted in particular directions. And um, the, yeah, there's, there's also this notion that people, um, there are some people that God listens to, so the righteous man. And, then, and also the question of, uh, if you don't pay for it, does anybody hang around to pray? So there's a range of possibilities. However, your point is the warning of, if we become transactional too, it ruins the gift of God by grace, right? So how do you put all these things together? I'm going to push you back to this thing, which I gave you the very first week, which we never did. But I just want you to hold in your head. <clears throat> so this kind of vending machine model of God, I decide what I want, I pay for it, I get it, that's great. Now listen to the other one. Yes, sir. I was just uh, reminded, reminded of Naaman trying to pay for his yeah, although he got outfoxed a little bit by his um, by his chief of staff, right? So, 
But if you want to send money this way, uh, we'll know what to do with it, Michael. We'll, it'll be pure-handed, I promise you. Yes? I'm going to sort out, if, you know, if we, if we get it wrong, translate, we always get it wrong. Yeah, right. This, you know, the, the question of does it negate the prayer, God gives in advance of us asking correctly. Right. So, so whether we pay for it or whether we get the ritual wrong or whatever, whether we push the wrong button on the vending machine. Right. We ask for the wrong thing. That can happen. So, I mean, God is giving us what we need before we can ask for it. Right. So there, now you start to see those, so there's a sort of subtle, I, so in one model, I pay, I ask, I get what I want. You remember from time to time I've said to you that when you get what you want, that's the definition of hell, right? So now... Um, there'd be a couple of ways to insulate you from this concern that, or at least the question, not concern, really, just this question of what if I get it wrong? Is it negated? Do I get the wrong thing? The worst thing that could happen to you is, uh, and I don't mean this is like, I don't mean it is, this is the absolute worst thing. I mean it is, in a prayer like that, the worst thing that could happen is that you'd actually get what you ask for, right? So that would be your bottom you have a scintilla of what you might be asking for, it'll probably work out for you. But when you get what you ask for, you might get number 14 on your list, right? When one, two, or three might have been so much better for you. So there's, there's the question of pushing God around a bit, right? Do you, want, do you really want what you want? What, what's the great antidote to this? I will come to you. What's the great antidote to this? Or maybe that's what you were going to say. Asking God for you to do what he wants. Yeah, thy will be done, right, is the great antidote to this. Nevertheless, not mine will, but thine be done. We, we, we couch that into a whole bunch of places in Christian prayers. It's all over the place. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the, um, I see if you took uh, Stephen's comment all the way to the end, though, if God's just going to give you what you need, why pray? He may not give it to you. If, you, if that's the sort of relationship that, would, that you have... Um, he may be given, you may not be receiving. We could go around the room, but there are some people in this room I have on good authority who have asked for things they haven't gotten. <laughs> and um, it was for the better. I, I mean, I understand. I'm yeah, just, I go. I'm just taking his, his question all the way to the end. Yeah. Like, if, you, if there is some sort of ritual then it seems like it's, it's, it's a conversation more than a transaction. Good. What would be the way that you could, um, would be one possibility is to have a bit of a conversation, which would, which would suggest a little bit of back and forth, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which is prayer, yes. There, it is, there is a bit of conversation. It's a back and forth. And you're a person, God's a person. Together you sort out which way you might go. Based on what kind of person you are, you might get A or B or C or D, depending on your circumstance, your ability, how much you can take, where you're going, what you'll do with it. But all of this is still maybe on the wrong side of the equation, or maybe it's maybe I just should say it's premature. Uh, the problem isn't with God's giving. The problem is with our asking, right? So there's a way we started by saying when we ask, we ask with open hands. And with uh, perhaps a lack of specificity. Now, for example, 
if your child is in an accident or you have a friend that's very sick. Well, we pray very with great specificity every week at the altar. We have people who are swept up by the hurricane, for example, or we have people who are in the military, so we know they're in danger much of the time, or there are people who are sick and we care for them. There are things that we ask for, right? And we are confident that even as we ask, God delivers. That's, uh, and he delivers in advance. It's a little like forgiveness, right? God's forgiving, and he's waiting to forgive, you know, and he wants to forgive, but he won't force it on you. So you sort of open the floodgates with your prayers to what, and this is the big point, what God would be interested or what God would think is best for you. Right? So I would like you to pray, and I would like you to pray for other people, but I would like you to do that without the specificity of pushing God around or thinking that you get an answer because you've been a good girl, right? Which doesn't negate anything that Dennis said about a righteous person prays and gets answers. There are some people who are so close in the family that, do you have anybody? Yeah. Well, if we were in my office, I would say to you, you got anybody in your family like that who somebody always, there's, so you have kids, right? Don't answer this question. Is there one kid that James listens to always more than the other? So, Sola, just, just to yourself, you can mouth the answer he can't see. But, you know, this is how families work, right? There's always somebody who has, you're the one who has God's ear, right? So, yes. No, don't be. When I'm talking to my husband, I have a tendency, I, well, anybody, I think out loud. So it's like going all over the map, it's going all over, and he's wondering, what's the point? I know somebody, I know, so, I know somebody just like that. <laughs> You know, were you were you a Hindu? You know, were you a Hindu? You would be you would be the Hindu equivalent of those children who put their dollar bills in and try to make that claw go down to get the puppy, right? It just never, you know. All right, so just just so the opposite could be true. Listen to this: growing in prayer. This is the thing I gave you from uh, Rowan Williams, right? Growing in prayer is not simply Acquiring a special set of spiritual skills that operate one bit of your life. So it's not about getting some skills, identifying my goal, figuring out the path to my goal, executing the goal, paying the goal, right? All this kind of stuff. It's about growing into what St. Paul calls the measure of the full stature of Christ. So, okay, already what your prayers should sound like? They should sound like they come from Christ and are spoken as Christ. It's growing into the kind of humanity that Christ shows us. Growing in prayer, in other words, is growing in Christian humanity. So one of the answers to your questions is, um, why pray? Because you want to be human, fully human. It seems that all Christian reflection, all theology worth the name, begins as people realize that because of Jesus, here you go, 
They could talk to God in a different way. It was the new experience of Christian prayer that got people thinking. If Jesus somehow makes it possible for us to talk to God in a new way, then surely there ought then surely there are things we ought to be saying and believing about Jesus. And so the great exploratory business of theology began to unfold. The newness of prayer is expressed most vividly by St. Paul in Romans 8 and Galatians 4. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Papa, Abba, Father. The new way we talk to God as Father And that is the work of the Spirit of Jesus. So one of the mistakes we have already made about talking about our own prayers is that there are prayers. Right? You really haven't got any prayers outside the prayers given to you by the Holy Spirit. Since we never run on our own steam and don't have the capacity to get outside ourselves without the Spirit of God, it would probably be better if we talked about the prayers that the Spirit prays through us And of course, it is the prayer recorded of Jesus himself the night before his death. So that prayer, right, if this cup could pass, right? So for the Christians to pray before all else is to let Jesus' prayer happen in you. There you go. So there's a difference between deciding what you want and paying to get it and listening to Jesus say to you, here's who you are, and this is what you should do. This is what you should seek, and this is what you pray for. You might not have noticed it at the end of the sermon today, this kind of explicitly, but what Pastor Bukes did to you today was take you through, take your choice, A, making a good confession, or B, station of vocation at the end of the small catechism. If this, then this. If you are a father... If you are, if you are, um, if you are, are a husband, if you are right, so that's exact. This is Jesus in you, giving you something to pray about. So God reveals His word to you, and then you say, "Okay, then because of that, because of who I am, this is what's best to me to grow up in the image of Christ." So one way to think about your prayers is, does this prayer prompt me into the image of Christ? So you have an enemy. Did you see some witches gathered? This is not a political comment. I'm just struck by, it's just the next thing. So before I tell you that, I'll tell you this. I'm driving home from work, whatever day it was, and there was some commercial, and I'm kind of like I started, and then suddenly the hook was, discover the witch within you. Of course, then I was like, er? (laughs) And there was some tie to some TV show, but also this thing of like, come and experience uh, basically how to be a witch, right? Then I <clears throat> come home to the news that's a group of witches. This is not political, I'm not, and I'm not going any farther than I'm going. There was a group of witches that gathered to hex um, Justice Kavanaugh. Did you see this? Right? So now the interesting thing about a hex, of course, is, and I've noticed this now, it's sort of an... Um, you know, this sort of next rise of empowerment is tied to black magic, basically. So just watch for it. You'll see it. It'll be with your kids in about three weeks because that's about how long it takes. Okay? So this very interesting next step of how will I get my way, I'll appeal to the occult. Now, here's the thing. 
It's either a nothing or a something. If it's a nothing, why do it? And if it's a something, really? Because the, the way that magic always goes bad, in every case it goes bad in this way. You control the demons until they control you. Boom. It is that simple, right? So it's either a nothing, which you'd say, get a second job, a side hustle, drive Uber. Or you would say, it's either a nothing, or you would say, it's a something. If it's a something, it's a no touch. I'm just, just that it came to me two times in one day this week shows you something about America, the level of frustration, the level of divisiveness. And actually, when you curse somebody, the level of hate. So you would ask yourself in your own prayers, you would say to yourself, I have an enemy, pick one. And then you would, what does Jesus say to do? Pray for your enemies. And do good to those that hurt you. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. Give, expect nothing in return. Do good to those who hurt you. When people say there isn't a difference between, like we're all spiritual, this is like as easy as the spiritual, spirituality argument breaks down so easily. Because Jesus clearly, one side says, I will destroy my enemies. The other side says, I will bid that God bless my enemies. I just, I just, just put it out there because you, mostly you've got kids. I mean, I mean, I'm not so worried that any of you are going to come back uh, you know, next week. But I, I am very worried about your kids. I told you about, you know, didn't grieve me greatly when the Barnes & Noble went out of business because when I went there and the witchcraft section was bigger than the theology section, I'm like, the game is lost, right? So you have little kids in the aisle pulling books off and saying spells because they can read now. So, okay, just observing the differences, right? Jesus' prayer happens in you, and the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples expresses this very clearly. Our Father, we begin by expressing confidence that we stand where Jesus stands, and we say what Jesus says. So this is what we did last week, right? You stand in the family. You stand next to Jesus. You're considered an advisor, a confidant, a friend, and a brother or sister with God as your Father. So... You have the confidence of where you stand. You wake up every morning, and Jesus looks at you and says, you're my beloved son. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. And I love you. I'm very pleased with you. Just by the by, if you actually begin with that stance, then you don't have this nausea about God not knowing what you need or giving you what would be best for you. Certainly you pray about your job, your kids, your life, your direction, anything you want. But it's prayed in the way that you would ask your father. And I, you know, some of you didn't have good fathers and that's always an issue. But after a lot of talk, the answer is this. This is the one place where you can have a good father. Right? So if you had a bad father, I mean, I get it somewhat. You know, not always to the extent that people who have had great tragedies or troubles, but I get it. But um, it's not a logical jump that if you had a bad father, that every father is bad or that your heavenly father is bad. But that takes some time to get there. I understand that as well. 
But imagine, at least if you can, someone who loves you and would die for you, would do anything for you. If you can begin that way, you begin to understand what the answers will be to your prayers. There's something, it's not, it may not be specific, but it is this notion that Jesus loves you. Jesus never leaves you. And Jesus will never hurt you. And if you pray with those things in mind, your prayers will be very different. And your expectations will be very different. And the encouragement you receive will be very different. And you'll end up receiving everything you get as a gift and a blessing. There's even troubling things. Way back when, in the first week, I gave you the thing from Simone Weil about suffering is not so much a problem to be solved, but a lesson to be learned. That's how life works, right? Some kinds of instruction in prayer used to say at the beginning, put yourself in the presence of God. But I often wonder if it would be more helpful to say, put yourself in the place of Jesus. This is exactly what we did last week. Put yourself in the place of Jesus. Luther says you're cemented to Jesus by baptism and by the Holy Supper. So when God looks at Jesus, God sees you, and God gives you words to say, and the word, the first word you can say is Papa, Abba, right? It sounds appallingly ambitious, even presumptuous. But that's exactly what the New Testament suggests we do. God speaks to God for us, but we speak to God in him. You may say what you want, but he is speaking to the Father, gazing into the depths of the Father's love. This is very different than gazing into the depths of the app on your phone. Or frankly, gazing into the depths of an idol. Right? To gaze into the depths of the Father's love. So, I mean, the question is always really to ask whether, whether you know, somebody would die for you. You know, you think about, um, we prayed for soldiers this morning. Or you think about people who are first responders or policemen, you know, you think about people who, you think about your parents, you think about people who walk by and, you know, it happens once a week in Chicago. Somebody walks by and sees a fire and rushes in to help. You know, when, you know, sort of baseline for who you should be praying for is people who would die for you. And you understand Jesus better as you grow up a little. There you go. You grow up a little in your faith. Then what you want to say gradually shifts a bit more into alignment. Not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done. Right? I don't know, even know what I need. I, could, could you just sigh for me a bit here, Holy Spirit? Right? Romans 8, his sigh is too deep for words. With what he's always saying to the Father in his eternal love, for the eternal love out of which his own life streams forth. That, in a nutshell, is prayer. Letting Jesus pray in you. And beginning that lengthy and often tough process by which our selfish thoughts and ideals and hopes are gradually aligned with his eternal action. So everything in your life and all your prayers get aligned not with what you want, but with what God wants. This, I mean, the sermon is all about this this morning. We, in, you know, as the year winds down, things become a little more crisp and a little sharper edged because you're supposed to have the last judgment in mind. Pentecost kind of moves you toward that, right? So we get these things about 
um, giving things up, and then we're going to talk about our dead, and then uh, there'll be Thanksgiving, but suddenly, you know, the end of the year and then into Advent, it's all about um, things are dark and is there any light anywhere? Then Christmas comes. <clears throat> Just as in his own earthly life, his human fears and hopes and desires and emotions are put into the context of his love for the Father. So, hey, if you can find a way to let this cup pass for me, that would be best for me. You remember the prayer in Gethsemane? Let this, if, it, you know, if there's a way, find a way for me to escape the cross. Woven into his eternal relationship with the Father, even in that moment of supreme pain and mental agony that he endures the night before his death. So it should not surprise us that Jesus begins his instructions on prayer by telling us, to affirm that we stand where he stands, our Father. Everything that follows is bathed in the light of that relationship, that God loves you and won't hurt you and will never leave you and listens to you and is willing to have a chat with you and is willing to take your advice. But try to remember your place because, you know, when you give advice, he's actually listening and you might want to think twice about if that's really what... The Lord's Prayer begins with a vision of the world that is transparent to God. May your kingdom come, your will be done. May what you want shine through in this world and shape the kind of world it's going to be. And only when we've begun with that affirmation, with the imagining of a world in which God's light is coming through, only then do we start asking for what we need. So you see everything? You see how this works? There's the Holy Spirit in you praying out. There's the light of the Father shining down on you. And in a way, that chips away at all the things that you thought you really needed. And somehow, you know, back when tricks used to have real colors, before they went like to beet juice, back when they used red dye number 40. You remember tricks? You remember that? <laughs> Whether you ate them or not, you could still get those goggles on the back that you could then look. They were red, and then you could see the. Do you remember this? You all had very bad childhoods, I can see. Or your parents loved you and didn't buy you sugary cereal. But if you miss this out, I, I offer a free box of tricks to any one of you who wants to experience this, right? Something you can see in a new way. Right. Okay, that's what it's like. You can see in a new way, and then you know what you need. We need sustenance, mercy, protection, daily bread, forgiveness. We need to be steered away from the tests that we're not strong enough to bear. So in all of that, I want to try to encourage you towards saying your prayers. Uh, and I want to encourage myself to talk faster and move more quickly. <laughs> but once in a while, you should talk. I, um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this from number four. We're going to do this next week. But this is what I want you to try to do, if you, if you would. As you begin to say your four or five words, help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless my child, Jesus. You know, Father, remember me. Help me to act like a help me to act like a son. Help me to act like a daughter. Help me to act like a child of the kingdom. Remember my friends. You know, bless those who are sick. It's actually once you get rolling, it's not so hard to pray. And if you could sort of add the Lord's Prayer in morning and evening, that would be good. If you could pray for St. John, that would be a good thing. We can't really depend on anybody else to be doing that, so we should be doing that for ourselves and for each other. But if you could do that not in a transactional way, that you're pushing God around, or you have to pay him off, or that you know more than he does, if you could do it in this way, the way that if you had a good father, a good mother, um, you'd ask them, um, 
When they said, what do you want for Christmas? You'd say, surprise me. But of course, there'd also be things that you, they knew you so well, they knew that you needed. The Batman utility belt from Sanford's basement, downstairs, around the corner. It was great. So like that, right? All right, let's pray and go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, say your prayers, and see you next week.